All right, joining us now, he writes for The Athletic. He is our, uh, of course, you hear him weekly on the NBA Daily Assist. He's our good friend Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hi, guys. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, Sam, who's coming at us live from Toronto, by the way, give us a little tale of the tape. Do the uh, do the Raptors have a shot in this one? Uh, we shall see, guys. I think they do. You know what I mean? I think, for one, they they have their program, they have their formula, and it's consistent, which is not what the you know the Warriors can say. With Golden State dealing with the Kevin Durant situation, DeMarcus Cousins, ready tonight for the first time since his quad tear. I think you know their rotations are going to be a little more unstable. Their talent is down a little bit, even though they have that embarrassment of riches. And, and Toronto's got the depth and the, the wing perimeter defenders, I think, to slow down this uh, this Warriors unit. And specifically, what they do in transition, Toronto is, is I think, going to be a problem for the Warriors. So all that being said, you know, if, I'm, if we're doing the old handicap thing, I think that it's likely a, a three-peat coming up at some point here. But I think it should be pretty competitive. Hey, Sam, it's Craig. Enjoy your work on The Athletic, uh, honestly. Thank uh, you, Craig. Yeah, I really do. Uh, you know, let me ask you, you know, I guess the one thing, too, people forget Toronto's got home court in this series. I mean, you got the first two games at home, which is very powerful, in my opinion, for any team uh, because of uh, just the fan base. And this is just a special time for Toronto because it's the first time they've ever been in an NBA Finals saying that. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what's your insight tell you about Kawhi? I know that's probably going to be the storyline throughout this series. You know, will he stay, will he go? I want to start there, and then I also want to ask you about Draymond Green most likely picking him up on defense tonight and trying to uh, maybe what you call frustrate him. But do you you sense anything uh, with Kawhi and just the dedication or just maybe he's going to continue on this relationship in Toronto? So it's funny, Craig. I think that, you know, he's one of the few guys out there who can be simultaneously – you know, all in and, and and such a willing part of this Raptors program mm-hmm. and playing at such a high level and and kind of inspiring such positivity around, the, you know, the people in the organization are just ecstatic with the way that, that he's handled himself this year. And normally that would lead you to say, all right, sounds like he'll be back in free agency. And I don't necessarily think that's the case. I wrote about it mm-hmm. today. And, you know, just that idea that the Clippers still loom very large in free agency. You know, you, you know, Clippers themselves behind the scenes remain pretty confident, which is just, I didn't even, I don't know that I, I kind of underscored that point enough in the column I wrote today because it's just so unique. You, you know, normally when a free agent like this gets to the NBA Finals, you know, that should conceivably really help that team's chances of holding on to them. And I'm not sure that the outcome of this series or even everything that led up to it is going to matter for Kawhi, and, and we'll see. He's also such a hard guy to read that well, it's tough to tell. Now, the, the basketball side, you know, listen, Draymond's going to be a, a good challenge for him. It's going to be Andre Iguodala. It's going to be, you know, Clay Thompson at different times. You know, they, they know that Kawhi is the guy that if you slow him down, he's, he's an okay, you know, playmaker every once in a while, but it's, it's not – what he does. And so it really is that if you can get the ball out of Kawhi's hands somehow, those massive hands, and, and keep Kyle Lowry from playing like he did for most of the last series, then you're in good shape. But uh, what Kawhi has become offensively is 
is just incredible. We knew how great of a defender he was, but man, he's he's just killing it on both ends these days. Guys, we talk about uh, Kawhi and his free agent uh, possibilities, as you mentioned and wrote about uh, there, Sam. You know what's funny about it is, will it encourage or discourage franchises from trading for a superstar in the final year of their deal? Because, hey, maybe it's one and done with Kawhi, but they're still going to the finals. I mean, if you're a franchise and looking at this, would you be encouraged to do something like that in the future or discouraged? I think it's more unique to, you know, which, what pieces are coming and going. So DeMar DeRozan, from the Raptors' perspective, you know, like that 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 kind of chapter had come to a close. They felt like, you know, that it was just Kyle and DeMar had had so many times in the playoffs when they just couldn't get it done, and this was worth the risk. And, uh, I mean, you, you compare this situation to – the Paul George, you know, situation when everybody thought he was going to the Lakers and myself included and Oklahoma City trades for him and they end up holding on to him. Now, the Raptors have got to be jealous because they're sitting and going, man, like you, you re-signed that guy and you couldn't get out of the first round, you know, in the first year when, when they had him. And, uh, and so that's how that one went. I mean, Toronto is also unique because you know, even if Kawhi leaves, this has, I think, improved the optics around the organization in a way that is going to help them in free agency going forward. As long as Masai Ujiri is still the guy running the front office, I think he's just kind of sent a really strong message that they've got a quality program, and not just because of the results, but we we don't talk enough about training staffs and how players are very in tune with, you know, which organizations are going to, you know, kind of handle their bodies well. And, and have the best people on the planet and which ones maybe don't invest enough resources in that department. And the Raptors with Alex McKechnie, who's a highly regarded, you know, sports science trainer. Uh, he's the guy who managed Kawhi's, you know, body and his leg all year long and did a wonderful job. And I think all that stuff makes the move worth it for Toronto. Yeah, Sam, I'm with you about reading Kawhi. Uh, it looks like he's totally uh, disconnected in every post-game interview, but that's just who he is. And I never thought he'd leave Pops in San Antonio, but uh, lo and behold, look what happened. Let's switch gears. Uh, what's your thoughts about Golden State? I mean, this team obviously defending champs, and there's some controversy kind of swirling around that team as well with Durant and the relationship with Draymond and Clay Thompson. He wants to be paid. I mean, there's a lot of things going on, too, off the court with the Warriors. Yeah, no, for sure. They. Uh, it's funny, though. To their credit, I'll say this. We haven't, again, things we haven't probably talked about enough or emphasized enough in the media. You know, we haven't given them enough credit for – for getting to this point and to be in the kind of their locker room to be in the kind of state it's in, which is all in all pretty good because it obviously got off the tracks really early in this season. You know, that the date is burned in my head. It's November 12th. They're in LA. They play against the Clippers. Draymond Green is not happy with Kevin Durant, you know, and tells him in front of the entire team, you know, we don't need you. We've done this without you. And that gets out. And, you know, it's just, it was an awful situation. I mean, you got Kevin going into free agency. You just, you know, basically told him that it doesn't matter what you do, you're not really part of this family. And I thought that that was the kind of thing that, you know, could trip them up on the court at some point. And here they are trying to get the job done. You know, Draymond and Kevin have long since passed it up. You know, I'm sure that, that relationship, like, it's not that it won't ever be the same, but it's that's not something either one of them will 
will forget, but they did, you know, they did kind of forgive and move on, and uh, and here they are. So the basketball stuff, you know, to, again to their credit, is is what they've got to focus on now, and and that's where it gets a little bit dicey because you know they they have a big man situation where they've gone from DeMarcus Cousins being you know the unfair advantage from last summer to him getting hurt to is it going to be Andrew Bogut is going to you know Kevon Looney's been a really really good revelation for them they just are in love with that guy but you know even tonight you know curiosity abounds about the uh, starting lineup I doubt that I don't think DeMarcus will start but uh, you know who do you put in that lineup do you do Bogut do you do Looney who they don't want to play too many minutes do you do Jordan Bell Um, once you get past Steph Clay Draymond and uh, and Kevin who's obviously out then you know, it's just it's uh, the strength and numbers motto that they used to live by is not quite what it used to be. Sam Abick of The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Forgive uh, me for asking a question basically to satisfy my personal curiosity, Sam, but you mentioned uh, Boogie Cousins. And That's what I'm here for, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> your station there in Sacramento, which means you did a lot of covering Boogie throughout the beginning of his career, and of course you cover a lot of Golden State games as well. Has he evolved as a person throughout his journey and some of these kind of setbacks type of things and going on the different teams? How has he evolved? as a human um listen stock answer is everybody evolves I'm sure he has uh, the real genuine answer is you know he and I have struggled when it comes to the reporter player dynamic for years now so I, I'm probably on the one hand I am a a guy who's you know got the Sacramento ties and a long history with him I cannot personally speak all that much to the, the past couple of years because you know, let's just say that uh, that Draymond and Kevin and their ability to, to mend fences was, you know, not something that that we uh, we did in our time dealing with each other. He's he's a tough cookie, man. But you, you know, people who people who talk about him will tell you that for one wonderful guy in the community, when it comes to uh, giving back quite a bit, caring deeply about social issues and, and, you know, impoverished communities. And there's, there's a lot of good stuff that comes with the Marcus, but he, the part that hasn't changed and probably never will is, you know, definitely he's just a, a hot-headed guy. And tonight I think is actually an interesting kind of night in and in a potentially a test for him personality-wise because I think that Steve Kerr might very well face situations where despite the fact that DeMarcus Cousins has waited his whole basketball life – to take part in something like this, um, if he can't help the Warriors win, Steve is going to do what he's got to do for the sake of that championship. And you know there there are scenarios, I believe, in which that means that Demarcus can't play. And now maybe the opposite happens. Maybe he comes back and and you know he can get Marcus all in space. Um, you know with some of that range that he has. I mean he can't shoot the ball obviously. So I mean that's that's really going to be fascinating. Like if I was talking to the hoop heads out there just when DeMarcus hits the floor just lock in on him and see how he looks and because uh, I guarantee you if it goes well then he earns more minutes if it doesn't go well it could be a quick uh, quick hook and that's going to test his patience his willingness to to be a team player because uh, this is a, a big time pressure packed stage and his situation because of that leg is pretty tenuous you know Sam personal uh, story real quick with the uh, boogie uh, when he was in Sacramento we, uh, my partner Matt Harpering and I, just happened to be on the floor, and we just happened to be looking his way, and that was enough. Uh, he was not 
not comfortable with us just looking and discussing kind of privately, you know, DeMarcus Cousins and uh, one of his security people came by and asked if there was a problem. Really? And I thought, wow, you are kidding. <laughs> oh, but that's wild. I, I think you probably kind of relate to that situation more than I can even imagine. Oh, I do. On yeah. A pers- on a I mean, I don't basis. even mind sharing, even in the preseason, uh, in the preseason, you know, he, he, how do I say it? He, I'm around the Warriors a lot, and so we hadn't crossed paths for quite a while, and then all of a sudden we were crossing paths again, and and he wanted, you know, one of his associates was talking to me preseason um, at a game down in San Jose, and and that upset him that that somebody in his camp was speaking to me, and he made it be known very, you know, visibly. Uh, it was nothing wildly inappropriate, but it was, you know, it was pretty obvious what was happening. I mean, he's just. He's just running hot all the time in a lot of ways. Hey, Sam, this is out of left field, but uh, it, it, I want to focus on Steph for a minute. Do you, In your mind, covering the NBA, has the, has the league changed forever uh, because of Steph Curry and his ability to shoot the three? And analytics tell you, obviously, the three's more than two and, you know, the, the play at the rim. But I, I don't know if the mid-range game will ever come back or even survive. Is it, is it just a two-way street now in this league? Uh, I'm not sure because honestly, it's a funny day to ask that. You know, the Houston Rockets have kind of fallen apart since the Warriors beat them in the second round, and you know, are now having to question a little bit of what's going on with them and their system. And you know, we had reported at the Athletic, my colleague uh, Sean Sarania, that Chris Paul and James Harden had gotten into it after Game Six with philosophical. You know, discussions about the way they play. So I think in real time, even the players and coaches are figuring this out. It's certainly changed in terms of. Um, I mean, it, not to be, not to be sarcastic, but it does. It makes me laugh. Like when everybody rails against analytics and acts as if it's it's, it's a bunch of math professors in a room with number two pencils and and pocket protectors. You know, and like you just you did the way you just put it, Craig. Like, hey, guess what? Breaking news: three is more than two. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. and, and the fact that the league didn't exploit that more earlier. Um, I look back in history, and it's just remarkable to me because obviously a three point shot has been in place for quite a while at this point, but it just didn't. It, you know, nobody was really testing the system until these past seven, eight, nine years. And Steph took it to another level. Um, the part that he has changed is that as a player, if you are talented enough and diligent enough and work hard enough to, you know evolve uh, as a shooter and extend your range and your depth, that's what guys are doing. Damian Lillard did that last summer. It became a real focal point where he wanted that deep three. And even some people with the Blazers, I think in hindsight, wish he would have focused on other things, you know, like moving without the ball and things that kind of ended up getting exploited in the conference finals. Uh, But the deep shot, is a weapon that took his game to a new place. And that's the part that is, I don't think, you know, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. I don't, I don't think you, you should. It's fun to watch. It's incredible to even to this day to watch Steph pregame and see him hit these shots like it's just nothing from 38, 40 feet. It's just incredible. 
Sam, real quick before we let you go, I know you've spent a lot of time about uh, around that Houston Rockets organization this year and, and done a number of, of great pieces on, on Houston and conversations with Mike D'Antoni. And I just wanted to get your thoughts real quick on the news we heard yesterday that Daryl Morey is basically uh, listening to deals for everybody and the news today that contract extension talks have broken off with Coach D'Antoni. What do you make of what's going on down there? I mean, Daryl's the most aggressive executive in the NBA. So, you know, it's not a shocker that, you know, they're, they're having a lot of conversations trying to see what's out there. Now, the James and Chris component, that's, that's a little tricky in terms of their perceived availability because, you know, I, I didn't dig too hard on that, but I, I, the one team I reached out to did, you know, had happened to have talked to the Rockets and that team had told me that, you know, in their discussions, James and Chris were considered untouchable. It was everybody else on the roster was available. And so um, that shouldn't surprise anybody. And I'll say going into free agency, you know, they're going to, even though they don't have cap room, um, this is, I think, maybe a strategic move to, I don't know where the leak came from. Obviously, that's not my business. But, like, you know, it's a good time for the Rockets phone to start ringing because I think if they could, they'd love to, get in this free agency game and then it's going to take trades to make that happen. Maybe sign a trade with some of these guys. Um, now the coaching side, it's not great um, that they did not get an extension done with Mike D'Antoni. He is the kind of guy that gets uncomfortable when he's in the last year of a deal, which he's going to be, but he's also 69 years old. And, you know, I know he wanted a new deal. I know he wanted a raise and they just couldn't come to an agreement, but I was told and had tweeted earlier today that it's, it's not an indication that he's getting pushed out or that, you know, there's no way he's uh, going to be there beyond next year. You know, and there is a, a hope and an optimism that, that they get something done, you know, going into, uh, I guess, the end of next season. But it's it's a weird time there. That's what – listen, when the Warriors beat them, I told Draymond Green that night in the locker room, I said, man, I've never seen one team jack up another's program in that dramatic type of a way. And, you know, they're still feeling the effects of it right now. Sam, you are the absolute best. Thank you so much as always, and enjoy the uh, finals. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Sam. Sam Amick from The Athletic with us here at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Craig Bullerjack. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.